What's up, Comic Book Nation? Welcome to episode 25 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. That's like a milestone. I know, it is a milestone. That's why I said Comic Book Nation twice, just to uh, reinforce it. Not because I made a mistake, but because I wanted to reinforce the milestone 25th episode, and it couldn't be more appropriate. As you are hearing the sound of my voice, we are living in one universe, and we are about to shift to another universe as Avengers Endgame hits theaters. This is going to be our last podcast before the film is out, and we've all seen it. And like I said, the universe will simply not be the same the next time we talk. So in this episode, we are going to talk about what it's looking like for Avengers Endgame's opening weekend as we go down the final Pike 2 release day. And we're going to take a trip back and share some MCU retrospective moments that mean something to us. But we also got some news to talk about. Booyah. We got some things that are going to be happening on the video game front with the release of Mortal Kombat 11. Anybody want to scream a Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat! Thank you, I needed that today. We're also going to talk a little bit about Game of Thrones because, of course, this weekend isn't just about Avengers Endgame. We have a major Game of Thrones milestone coming our way that's going to be uh, equally as traumatic. And we brought back somebody today along with my co-host Matt Mueller. We have... Jamie Lovett making his return to the podcast. Jamie is going to take us through his specialization in Star Trek and talk about the ending of Star Trek Discovery Season 2 and what we should be looking forward to as Season 3 comes down the pike. No pun intended. So I see what you did there. Yeah, I didn't mean to. I just, my Star Trek nerd inside was like, you made a funny. And I was like, all right, thanks. But uh, we're going to start off talking about a video game because... Today is the release day of Mortal Kombat 11, and this game is kind of a, I wouldn't say it's a milestone, I mean, it's a new Mortal Kombat, obviously we found 11 of them, but this one's looking good for next gen. It kind of has this epic storyline that kind of combines time periods of the Mortal Kombat franchise together, and it's kind of, I would say, what would you call it? It's not like a reboot, but it's just, it's like a fresh polish on the old fundamentals of the game that fans know and love. It's kind of like a return to form. Some new, crazier characters, but the kind of fight engine that we love, the fatalities we love. We even have Mercies back for the first time. Oh. And yeah, some exciting new additions to the franchise. So to prepare for this, we basically just went through and watched Ooh. a whole lot of Mortal Kombat fatalities for the new game, which just kind of warped my brain, I feel Don't like. Don't do that when you're eating, because I did that twice. Yeah, it's not a good eating, idea. and then I came upon something, and I was like, oh, God, I'm going to Yeah. I mean, this is a game where people are literally getting their heads knocked out of their asses for fatalities at it's certain a, points. And it's, it's almost like, like you can see, though, like the peeling backs of society as you go through the video. Because <laughs> it's a long video, and then by midway, I'm like, this doesn't even phase me. No, someone literally more. sawed someone in half, and I was like, eh, that looks fine. Yeah, I was still typing sentence. <laughs> I was like, oh, better re- I had to rewind like four times because I was just nodding off. I was like, oh, somebody else is spying, getting... Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like uh, someone's college thesis paper. <laughs> Mortal Kombat fatalities is a microcosm for society. Yeah, and, and they I mean, would not be wrong. No. I mean, ironically, the game's getting criticized for having a pol- quote-unquote political agenda, oh, so yeah. you're not too far off or crazy with that possibly happening. But we're excited around here, I think. Oh, stoked. You can read wait. our review on comic book gaming, um, but we basically say that it's a really great Mortal Kombat. It looks fantastic. It plays fantastic. There are a lot of kind of challenges and in-game elements that can keep you coming back and replaying, but... 
There are some challenges that are, are not worth the grind is one of the big criticisms, like the uh, time tunnel or tower, the time tower, I think it's called. I love those things. I do previous too. games. Yeah, like I always loved like, hey, reptiles vomiting acid, try and kill him before he like he poisons himself. Like they're so random and weird. Yeah. And it was always fun. Like you could spend, it gave you something to do other than just versus. And the story mode is fantastic. Yeah, I like but the story. But sometimes you just want to mindlessly do something that's at least a little creative. And for the record, people aren't saying these are bad. They're just saying the yeah. grind isn't always worth the prize yeah. that you get, which is understandable. What's your but- favorite fatality? Of the group, I think my favorite fatality is Scorpion's uh, fatality, where he kind of pulls all together all his moves and tricks. Oh, yeah. He, like, dives through you and burns a hole through you, and then takes out a sword and cuts off your head and then throws a spear through your head, and you get this, like, reverse angle with the head flying at the screen, and then the spear just comes popping out. Yeah. And so, I mean, I just I think I like that because I was a classic Mortal Kombat. I mean... I was like a kid who grew up in the 90s and like first saw that photorealistic game in an arcade and was like, what is this? Went back when you could only do high kick, low kick, high punch, <laughs> low punch, uppercut yeah. was like all you had going for you. Um, and when we first saw fatalities, like, yeah, I mean, we weren't desensitized back then. Street Fighter had nothing like that in it. And so like that was seeing Sub-Zero pull off somebody's head or Scorpion roast somebody was pretty intense. Now you look back at it and you're like, man, I could show this to my baby. Like, oh my god, yeah, yeah these are brutal. So, I mean, yeah. is there anything that Mortal Kombat can do to like shock us anymore? Yeah, I mean, Baraka like cuts your face off, pulls out your brain, and that eats was rough. It. That was a little rough. That was rough. Uh, they do a variation on the Sub Zero one where he um, like freezes you or not and rips out your spine by creating ice sculpture of himself with a spear, impaling you on it, then ripping off your head, and then, like, shoving it up your butt or something like that. Like, through your body. It's pretty intense. It's like, it feels almost like like Mortal Kombat cornered the market on that kind of gruesome stuff, because it's like, it feels like other video games don't even bother anymore. Like, it used to seem like video games are racing to be the goriest. Now they're just like... We're over it. Mortal Kombat, you do you. We're done. We're going to go do other things now. Uh, Katana's is really great. I really like hers because the blades keep spinning and they're hovering in air. And oh, like yeah. it's there's three blades all hovering still and the head is decapitated, but it's still on the little plate. And then she like it comes back to her and then she hits it with her foot and like spikes the head. It, it's It's amazing. Also, Cassie Cage's little selfie heart through the dude's body is amazing. Oh, yeah. Some great, there's some really great ones. Oh, yeah, Sonya has a great one where she shoots, she basically slides under you and shoots you up in the air with guns until you go so far up in the air, you reach, she calls in air support and you get slaughtered by this helicopter blade. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's some really inventive ones. What's so. the move that they used to have where it was, is it Babalities? I mean, is there was the Friendship, okay. friendships, Babalities, babalities yeah. Animalities, So they I could think. bring those, because like yeah. now we have Mercies back, right? Yeah. They could always bring those back and shock us. They could always do that go-kart racing that they did for oh, that game. <laughs> oh, they had chess. Like, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so it's a good time. So if you are a gamer and you're looking for something to do, be sure to get in on Mortal Kombat. I know we're going to get in there and start trying to throw down before everybody gets too good and just starts slaughtering us yeah. instantly. That'll happen. Uh, too late. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it already, yeah. It's already gone. <laughs> By the end of tonight. All right. So moving right along, we are going to talk. Matt, I'm sorry you're going to kind of fall out of this one, but you can, you can, I mean, are you caught up? Are you watching Game of Thrones? No, I'm reading spoilers and reading all of our recaps. And well, stuff. that's the way to do it. <laughs> Did you ever watch Game of Thrones? Are no. you just behind or no, you're I've not never, interested? No, I've never started. It. Okay. Yeah. Well, 
you can listen to me and Jamie talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs> I am fully invested. So we're in Game of Thrones final season. We're coming up on episode three, which is going to be this big mega episode, movie length almost, about the Battle of Winterfell, which is basically a bunch of surviving characters who have all gathered together in Winterfell, trying to hold this for, like this fortress against the Night Kings and the White Walker, basically a zombie, frozen zombie army. Mm-hmm. And like Avengers Endgame, like right now we are living in one universe. Pre, a lot of characters we love possibly dying or going away. And by Monday, we are all going to have multiple counts of PTSD because we've seen previews of the Battle of Winterfell. It looks pretty intense. It looks pretty n- nightmarish. And people are going to die in this one. So... We brought this up because we want to discuss, there's been a lot of talk about the first two episodes of Game of Thrones. A lot of hugging in those two episodes. A lot of hugging. I expected way more death. Yeah. And this is like, Jim Viscardi illustrates one point, which is like (laughs) people who were like, this is moving too slow. Jim Viscardi had a video, Brittany Mercer, like some other people around the office. We're like, it's way too slow. I've watched two episodes, not enough people dying yet. And it's like, you guys realize like we're about to hit a death roller coaster. Like, (laughs) did those people watch the last season? I don't know. You know, these are the only two episodes I've watched. And everyone keeps telling me that people, there's, you 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 can't can't tell me that people die and all that jazz. And I haven't seen one person die yet. You can't have just your foot, hold on. Yeah, you can't have your foot down on the gas all the time. You have to no. slow down sometimes. Last season they tried to go way too fast, and that's why last season was not that great because they couldn't like they were just jumping from one big thing to the next without any of the character stuff in between. Yeah. So far we've gotten two episodes of really good character stuff, especially that uh, previous episode, and that's going to make the next episode, the big mm, battle, yeah. all that more painful. you know powerful, like, yeah. painful. Yeah. Now, um, we yeah, I agree sure that that's happening. Next yeah, no, yes. it, it is absolutely one hundred. So there is zero on. chance yeah. that the Night King's army just passes Winterfell and, yeah. goes, straight, <laughs> and goes straight to King's Landing. That would I, be funny if that happened. I'd be like, no, not if he's going for. Supposedly he's going for Bran. Oh, yeah, uh, they needed a MacGuffin, so yep. I guess Bran is it now. <laughs> uh, so there's that. But so, yeah, yeah, man, it is about but to. Brienne's go totally the first one to die, right? Like, no, she gets that I mean, there's, moment, we have running totally bets. Dead. I'm not going to get in this because we have running bets in this <laughs> office, so I'm not going to weigh in on anybody. But uh, that's the thing. There was a, a sequence called Jenny's Song um, in the in this episode that Podrick Payne sings mm-hmm. while he and a bunch of key characters who have never really kind of met up and hung out are like all sitting around a fire. You got like Tyrion, Jamie, Tormon, Brienne, Podrick. Mm-hmm. Um, some other people I'm sure I'm forgetting. Davos. Davos was in that scene, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, and I love that. I love the first two episodes. The first one I said should be called Awkward Reunions because that's right. what it was. Mm-hmm. The whole first episode was a bunch of people who haven't seen each other in a long time since the series began, kind of running into each other and having to work out the kind of awkwardness or the unfinished business that they left between them. Um, this next episode was just, yeah, let's spend a night with our with some of our favorite characters before we possibly kill a bunch of them off, or all of them, or nearly all of them off. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some key things, saying, like during Jenny's sequence, fans are speculating. People we saw, like Theon, Ser Jorah. Oh, Theon, um, Theon is going to die twice. That yeah. is my prediction. <laughs> because what is dead can never really die, right, in the Iron Islands. We're but going we're to find test that out. theory. Yeah, we're going to yeah. test that theory out. Um, yeah, and so... 
I wouldn't be surprised if this next episode, yeah, a lot of the secondary characters, Sam, Jorah, right. Theon. Char- like Brienne is possible because her, yeah. her character arc, that was one of my favorite scenes in the entire series was her getting knighted. Yeah. But her character episode. arc is basically done now. So yep. she is entirely expendable. Characters like I, Jamie is probably going to survive because he's still got to make a choice about his I sister. Hope not. I bet him you know, there are characters that still have stories <laughs> left to tell, so they're probably safe. Uh, if their story has come to its natural conclusion, they are probably expendable at this point. Yeah, and I think that's my bet, is that a lot of these secondary characters who will impact the primary characters will mm-hmm. die. So, like, if Theon dies, like, that's going to hurt, like, Sansa and some of the other Stark right. people and, you know, his sister and stuff like that. If Theon, or I just said Theon, um, if, which is his name, Sam dies, that's going to mess up John and, like, so, and if Joro dies, Danny's going to spaz yep. out, like, so on and so forth. Um, this last episode did throw a lot of us for a loop because Game of Thrones, you didn't think Game of Thrones could make you uncomfortable with a sex scene by now, but uh, <laughs> they found a way. And yeah. uh, that was seeing young Arya Stark finally grow up and kind of bed the boy she's been flirting with since the series <laughs> began, Gendry. And it was, I mean, all so ostensibly. What is so I'm curious, like, what is so bad about it? Like, well, the series sure. starts when she's, like, a tiny little girl. Yeah. So, gotcha. like, a visibly yeah. a tiny part, little girl. Okay. Like, part yeah. of it was nobody's really sure how old she's, the character is supposed to be now. Okay. Uh, uh, Macy Williams is 22. Yeah. Uh, the character is somewhere between, like, 14 and 25. We don't really know. Yeah. Ah, um, okay. But, you know, what? like Kofi was saying, when the series started, that was, like, 10 years ago. So she was, like, 12 when we met her. So, at best, it's, like... Like, this is your kid sister has suddenly yeah. grown up. Okay. Oh, oh, God. I didn't watch the scene. I grabbed a pillow, slammed it over my face, buried <laughs> my face into my wife's side, and said, I'm not ready for our daughter to go through her teenage years. I just kept screaming that over and over. Like, literally screaming that over and over. I'm like, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this. I'm not Aww. ready for this. And then she had to tell me what was over because... There's some awkward things I just can't stand, and this was yeah. one of them. And I really, it really did give me, like, dad panic flashes of, like having to one day have this be a reality in my life. And I was like, oh, my God, because this was like probably the first time I've ever seen a character with like a little girl on TV grow up and then get to a sex scene. And I was just not prepared for that. So that happened. I mean, a lot of people were cheering. Yes, yes, Arya, get it, girl. I mean, and and by all means, Arya's grown into (laughs) a character. And the whole point was this is the night, this was we're going to die tomorrow Mm kind of night. And she just was like, I'm going to get rid of my V card, which is totally understandable. If I was a teenager and I was about to die the next day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) things on my bucket list as a teenager, I'd be like, uh, Uh, yeah. By the way, I love that Patrick Payne, you know, he sings that song. And it's great. And then the very next day, I forget the actor's name, but he announces his off-Broadway debut the very next day. It's the timing is just beautiful. Like <laughs> chef's kiss beautiful. <laughs> man, that's that even know that. That's crazy. But hey man, Podrick Payne, you know, the man who helped foster BDE in the world. So let's uh <laughs> let's let him live. Let's let him live. Kill the Night series. King. Okay. Podrick Payne kills the Night's King. In a way There's- nobody expected with his uh mythical sword. But anyway, that's going to take us out of Game of Thrones. We're going to be talking about it next week when we're trying to recover from Avengers and whatever happens in Winterfell. But um, yeah, I think me and Jamie have liked the setup of these episodes. Mm -hmm. Jim wants to see people die. Thankfully, you are going to get what you want soon. But I can't promise they're going to stay dead. They might get back up and start, you know, trying to hack up their friends because that's just the nature of what's happening here. Theon dies twice. That is my call. (laughs) That would be great. 
All right, so stay tuned, because when we get back, we're going to be talking about the end of Star Trek Discovery Season 2, the setup for Season 3, and we're going to be talking about the last big things before Avengers Endgame hits theaters. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, so Jamie, this is your time to shine. Star Trek Discovery Season 2. Just run us through it real quick. What were your impressions of the season? What were your impressions of the ending? And what are you looking forward to in season three? Oh, man. So um, so you remember I was on here a few weeks ago and I told you how Star Trek Discovery is set 10 years before the original series? Yeah. Uh, that's not going to be the case anymore. Uh, this season ended up dealing with time travel and evil AIs and all sorts of stuff. And the way it ends, spoilers, you're, you know, warning, uh, is they jump Discovery ahead in time. Uh, 950 years. Whoa. Whoa. So season three is going to be set way, way after anything else we've seen in the Star Trek universe. Like Star Trek, uh, the next generation, all that stuff happens in the 24th century. We are now going to the 33rd century. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, And so it is really hard to guess what's going to come next. The only clue we have is before this season aired, they did those series of short treks, and one of them was called Calypso, and that was set a thousand years after Discovery. And at the time, the consensus was basically that they did that so that uh, Michael Chabon, who was a Pulitzer Prize winning author, could tell whatever story he wants without having to worry about continuity. Yeah, Cavalier. Now it seems much more like it was foreshadowing what's going to come. And the only thing we know from that episode is that Discovery at some point gets abandoned and left just to drift in space. And the main character in that episode comes from a planet that was at war. We have no idea if that planet's going to factor in. So, yeah, no idea what's coming next. Um, The season overall, uh, I thought was great. Uh, I liked season one. I thought season two was uh, significantly better. I think I mentioned this before. It felt more confident, like they had found their groove, like they had a clearer vision of what they wanted to do, and they did that. Uh, Anson Mount uh, was fantastic as Captain Pike. Uh, I think it's hilarious. Uh, a lot of Star Trek fans were like, you know, we don't want prequels anymore. We want to see, you know, the future. And now, A, they're going to get to see way, way in the future. <laughs> yeah. And B, now they're also saying, no, no, please give us another prequel just with Captain Pike because Anson Mount has proven so popular that they're like, we don't care anymore. Just give us him. <laughs> give us the Enterprise. Give us Spock. Give us uh, Rebecca Romaine as number one. Uh, Ethan Peck as Spock. We'll take more prequels. Give us that good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, um, I thought it was fantastic, especially the the season finale had easily the most – 
impressive space battle that Star Trek has done, possibly both on film and on television. Wow. Uh, it was reminiscent of the one in Star Trek Beyond with all the drones. Yeah. There were a lot of drones going on in that episode. Uh, but the cinematography on that show and in that episode in particular uh, was incredible. There were these great shots of like, at one point, Michael Burnham jumps out into space in a spacesuit, and it just trails behind her while all the ships come in formation around her. It's just these fantastic shots, that visually cool. fantastic. Right, yeah. yeah, very, very cool. It's everything we wanted from Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah. I never got. <laughs> yes. Uh, I guess you could say that if you want to bring that up, I suppose. <laughs> Way to rain on the parade. <laughs> but yeah, it, it should be interesting. Uh, they... This frees them up from continuity now, and they did in a way yeah, where they I mean, almost. This is like everything they do is basically going to sell new merch. I mean, this is all <laughs> kinds of redesign. I mean, it's a smart move. Like, yeah, you everything, every headline, every new look at every new thing is mm -hmm. going to be totally just, you know, yeah, that's creatively that's good. That's awesome. it gets, I'm like, it's almost, really excited. That's the way I haven't seen like a good reboot of a show like that in concept since probably like Battlestar season three. Yeah. When yeah, I, I went crazy with it. I'm curious to see what this means for the Section 31 show, too, that spinoff they're developing. Yeah, with Michelle Yeoh. Because it's supposed to star Michelle Yeoh, but her character is on the Discovery when it jumps to the future. So mm. either they need to do some time traveling back, or I guess they never technically said the Section 31 show would take place in the era pre-TOS. So maybe she goes back to a different timeline. Maybe she goes and hangs out on Deep Space Nine. Who knows? Like, it could literally take place anywhere at any time now, which opens up so many possibilities for where they can go from here. It's it's kind of mind-boggling, honestly. Nice. And we also have the Picard series that'll be set after yeah. The Next Generation, right? Yes, that actually started filming uh, this week. Um, and it takes place approximately 20 years after it's unclear because he's said it differently sometimes, whether it's 20 years after the end of next gen or 20 years after the end of Star Trek nemesis, which was a few years after next yeah. gen. Uh, but it'll be right before the turn of the century there. It's going to deal with the destruction of Romulus. Uh, that's the, the only thing I hope is that uh, I'm really glad that Picard is coming out at least the first season before the next season of discovery. Cause uh, my only fear is that having discovery so far in the future may accidentally undercut the card since, you know, we, we know what happens in the future is that kind of interstitial prequel type thing. But as long as they're telling good stories, who really cares, honestly? Yeah. All right. So it sounds like guys, if you're not tar if you've been a star Trek fan and you haven't been in watching in a couple last couple of years, it sounds like a good time to get back in because this universe is literally expanding all over time and space, so uh, yeah, it sounds pretty exciting. I gotta get in and catch up, man. Ugh. But all right, moving right along, we are gonna end things with talk about Avengers Endgame. As I said, this is gonna be the last time we talk with you guys in Comic Book Nation before we all go out and see the film and are presumably judging by first reactions that have come out, forever changed by it. Our own Brandon Davis is out and was out at the uh, Avengers Endgame premiere. He got to kind of, he saw the film, he got to hobnob with the stars, and his reaction was basically saying that it's better than we even expect, it's full of all kinds of emotions, he laughed, he cried, ugly he was cried. thrilled, yeah, ugly cried. He said he ugly cried. Yeah. I can believe like, it. Not even just a little cry, like <laughs> sobbing, ugly cry. You ever cried in a Marvel movie? Yes. Which one? Really? I cried in First Avenger at the end. 
The whole I, they really got me with the story about him and Peggy Carter and waiting yeah, for the date yeah, and that whole thing. The and it like story. broke my heart. Such that a good movie. The last line of this movie was like, "Is like I had a date," and it's like yeah. this epic adventure, but it's really about just a boy and girl story with these two people who really wanted to get together and never did. And that kind of really messed with me. Um, I think I'm trying to think of all the movies. I think that I think I got a little teary with the Groot scene in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh man, that one that one got me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah you know when he says we are Groot. You know everybody wants to be included. Yeah. We all want to be Groot at some point in our lives. But uh, yeah, I think that's about. I'm trying to think of anything else. No, I think that's about it. Like not to say I haven't been emotional or yeah. like emotionally invested. When Frigga died in Thor: The Dark World, I. I got a little choked up, but then I remember this movie's terrible, and then I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm Thor, kidding. Thor Dark World is one of the most important Marvel movies. It strangely it is, yes. I mean, that was a pivotal One of the most important I, ones. When I, like... I saw that yeah. look, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like we were talking before, like kind of like Age of Ultron. Like, Age of Ultron is a very important movie. A lot of things happen there that set other things up, even though, as a just a movie, it's not the best. No. So... Yeah. No, but I think what you mean to say is Thor: The Dark World's post-credit scene is one of the most important oh, yeah. parts of the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. I mean, sure, but I mean, you, you can know, chop you off the rest of that movie. You can't the get to the post-credit scene. No, you can't get to the, the post-credit <laughs> scene without the movie. The Infinity Stones. Yeah, I like the. Dark. Nobody that, should keep Infinity Stones. That scene could have just been tacked on to the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, and nobody would have noticed. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, so. First reactions are out, and everybody's just saying, like, nobody's spoiling so far, really, except none of the official press. There's tons of spoilers. Make sure you are muting social media. Yeah, but, uh, slip one in yeah people have just said, yeah. like, whatever we thought we were getting, we're getting much more than that. And, like, yeah, it seems the Russos really are putting together a movie that none of us expected to see. It's going to kind of blow our minds. It's going to be emotional. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not ready for this level of emotion between this and Game of Thrones this weekend. This is going to be... I'm ready. This is going to be... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're only invested in, like, I half know, of this. I know. That's why I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I'm, like, reaching I'm Sunday, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm starting to feel ready, better. Man. And then I'm just going to watch, like, people get slaughtered in Game of Thrones. I can't, oh, I can't wait. So you can read our breakdown because we have a whole collection of spoiler-free reactions on the site now. So you can just click in and uh, check that out. We also have a whole Earth's Mightiest Week running this week that is all good stuff about the MCU, a lot of retrospectives, analysis. Make sure you check that out. Let's talk about this opening. We're hearing that Avengers Endgame could open as high as $1 billion worldwide, which would be fitting because Avengers... Now, I was covering... I've been doing this like 10 years. I've been doing this ever since Incredible Hulk, really. So... I was there and like primed in. I remember Avengers was the first time I finally like broke in and got access and had Marvel yeah. let me go to the screening of this when it first kind of came out in New York. And I lived right next to a movie theater on 34th Street, which is one of the major movie theaters in New York City. And I'll never forget just coming home all that weekend after I'd seen a movie earlier in the week. From Thursday on, people lined up, up the block, all the way to the end in front of my apartment building and like crowding the door of my apartment building, and I was like, this movie's going to make a billion dollars, which was unheard of back yeah. then. Like, unheard of. And sure enough, that came out and made a billion dollars and just reset the entire game and standards for the entertainment industry. Like, yeah. billion-dollar blockbusters came were a thing after that. Now we're talking about billion-dollar opening weekends, which is just a whole other craziness 
that we're talking about. After this, the next thing, of course, will be, can Star Wars make a billion dollars on opening <laughs> weekend? Will be the next well, it's, it's crazy. Story. I actually just saw a thing that apparently over 4,000 screenings of Avengers Endgame have sold out on Fandango. Yeah, I believe it. That's uh, yeah. a lot. I believe that. Everybody I know... Like, everybody I know is not waiting around. Mm. Like, the last person I think I know is going, like, early Monday morning before they have that's to go, like, and, they're take, and they're faking out of work. I know a yeah, lot of people like are faking out of yeah. work and stuff like that. Um, thankfully, work for a job where we can probably go see that movie because it's part of our work. But, like, yeah, a lot of people are ditching work. They're not going around crowds <laughs> of people. They're like, I'm not going near anybody until I see this movie. Uh, you know, you got to get in an opening weekend. That's crazy. Do you guys let's hear your predictions? Do you think it can do it? A billion dollars? Oh, I do. Easy. Because I mean, right now, the current thing I think was the current prediction was like seven fifty to eight hundred million. Uh and oh, I that's, saw nine sixty. That's without China. And then oh. China mm-hmm. adds in a potentially another two hundred and fifty. Cool. Is what they're guessing, right? So uh which Infinity War didn't get to have that. That it China debuted later. So like, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I think this is, it's as close to going to happen as you can get. That's 99.9 for me. Jamie? Yeah, I think it happens. I think yeah. it does. People, I think if it doesn't, like, people are going to, you know, every place is sold out, but if they're not, people are going to go just to make sure that they donate. Because you know how Marvel is almost like a team sport. Yeah. For a lot of fans, so they'll donate extra money to make sure it hits that milestone if they can. I did that again. Let's just take a minute <laughs> and like really step back and appreciate the real unsung heroes of this weekend: movie theater workers. Yes. You guys, woo! You guys are in for one hell of a weekend. So I think AMC is opening twenty four seven over the weekend. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I mean, this is how it was with the Dark Knight. Like, was like the first movie that really did that. And I went to a four ten a.m. showing of the Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah, and those poor movie theater workers. Well, I've already seen I, tweets that have been like, well, "Be there, nice to them." There's like, some yeah. theaters. There are some theaters that are going tw- doing 24 hour showings of Endgame. That's what we just said. We oh, I just, totally missed. Yeah, that part. that's AMC. worse than reading a double <laughs> review. <laughs> Jim Viscardi got on me. If you've been following the show, we read some double reviews, and Jim Viscardi got on me. But then now I think we're back. We're back on even ground. We're on even ground, Kofi. You you win this one. Yes, vindication. No, but but here's the real question: With so many people going to see it on opening weekend, Uh, does this movie have legs? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Because like I'm not. It's not going to be enough to see it once. Like for me, for me and a lot of other people in our situation who are like hardcore fans who follow this stuff, just. The first showing is just to kind of settle your mind from all the theories you thought are going to happen mm-hmm. and trying to just accept what is going to happen. And then you have to actually go back and see it again and be like, okay, now let me go see this movie. That, you know, I know all the loose plot lines, but now let me actually watch the finer points of yeah. this movie. So I think two viewings minimum, like right off the bat. this movie's so, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that with Infinity War, Infinity War was already like that anyway, from yeah. like tons of people mm-hmm. seen online and talked to. You don't really process the whole thing and enjoy it as a movie until the second, maybe even third time. Third time Endgame's yeah. twice that because, right, of all the things it's trying to shove in 10 years, three hours long, like all that stuff. It's, yeah, I feel and like. And from what we hear about how this movie could work, I mean, this alone trying to figure out if there's truly things like time, like back to the future style, time travel, universe resetting, like uh, just getting your head around all of that and kind of seeing all the connections is probably going to... I'm going to probably have to watch Endgame, go home, watch a bunch of other Marvel movies again, 
even though I've been preparing just for this, just to catch all the just to yeah. catch all the things, come back, see Endgame again, and probably go watch some of those movies a third time, just to, or a second time, just Remi- to see. This reminds me of that bit in Community where uh, Abed is like, "We're going to watch the Dark Knight, then we're going to watch the extended cut, then we're going to watch the regular cut for cool down." It's going to yeah. be something like that where you're just <laughs> yeah, watching exactly. on a cycle. <laughs> Okay. And it's, but it is. I mean, I, if there's really time travel stuff, if it touches other movies, then like, yeah, you got to go back and watch those and like process all that stuff. You're going to be, I know people in here, let's just say their names rhyme with Marley and who are going to be wearing tinfoil hats the size of entire <laughs> canopies just going into what all this means and how it connects and stuff like that. So it's going to be real. So like, yeah, multiple Marley. viewings I think are going to, and I think they were smartly building that into this and I think it's going to happen. Well, cause like the, one of the big discussion is will this unseat Avatar, you know, I think that I think we're saying it's pretty safe. It may beat Titanic, but if it does a billion opening weekend, and let's say a quarter of those people go to see it again, what's Avatar at though? Avatar's two point four. Were you here when Infinity War came out and people were going like every day for a month straight? Well, right, but that was but that's a small group. But that's a small group. Titanic's really hard to beat because again, I was a nineties kid. Well Titanic is Titanic is two one. Avatar's two four. Yeah. I don't Titanic, I'm just saying in terms of replay, like Titanic's hard to beat because I was a kid in the nineties and back then, like sneaking into hiding out in a movie theater every weekend to Mm -hmm. see the same movies while you made out with a girl or something was like, that's what you did. We didn't have (laughs) Netflix. So Paying like your back then four to five dollars to go <laughs> hang out in Titanic for three hours with some girl you want to just smooch was like a trick you could repeat several times it's, over. I love, when we, get chill. I love <laughs> when we get little insights into <laughs> right? your life like this. <laughs> I mean, this is like this is real. Like movie theaters were places where you could get you could meet up with girls and hide from your parents and like popcorn and chill. Yeah, really? popcorn and chill for two hours. I don't even want to tell you what happened with a friend of mine. Went to see. Please don't. Her- no, Disney's, stories no, always Disney's Hercules. No, <laughs> Disney's Hercules. When, <laughs> when we went to see. Don't. All I remember that movie is like the camera angles were just kind of like moving like this at you because there were people in the seat behind me. Like, yeah, it was it was really. But these are the stories that have nothing to do with neither here yep. nor there. Nope. <laughs> but to bring it back to Endgame, um, they don't do it like that anymore. So, right. and Avatar was just such a mind blowing technological event. It was like why my parents convinced themselves to take me out as a nine-year-old to see Terminator 2, Mm. which was a horrible parenting decision, but like (laughs) they were like, you're so into film, and this is like film technology you need to witness, so come on and watch it. Um, And Avatar was like that. I don't know if this has that level Mm. of like replay, because people saw Avatar, and then they wanted to go out and show their entire family Avatar. See, I think it has the – I just don't think – it's so weird. Avatar is such a weird thing. I think it has the – like everything it needs, Endgame needs to do it. I think it has. I just don't think that's such a that's so much money. Like, I, given that gap is so much money, I just don't think it can. Most things can't reach that. No, it's like the Wii of movies, right? It just sold a ton. No one can seem to replicate that amount of success because it was kind of genie in a bottle, and yeah. then it was done. And I don't think you can replicate it somehow. So I'd it does. It. So it won't have legs. It'll have legs. It'll have it won't legs. Have Avatar. Yeah, it might have like 1.7, 1.8 legs. You know what I mean? As opposed to like two, two point four. So you I don't think, it'll, think it'll hit two? I think. Oh, it's got to it hit two. I think it could hit two. It's about where it hits two. Infinity yeah. Wars at two I, point what? Oh, something. Yeah, right? like it okay. just missed Titanic. I think it'll yeah. beat 
It could beat Titanic. For yeah, me. I Avatar's, don't think it'll beat Avatar. Avatar's what, 2.4? Yeah. 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 Avatar's a harder stretch, but I think it will unseat Titanic. I think it's got to make I think it will. Infinity I think War. it will be more than Infinity War. Yeah. And then will Star Wars beat Endgame? <sighs> I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say hot take. I think at this no. point, yeah. Rich is signaling from the booth with a very enthusiastic <laughs> nod of yes, but I don't know. I'm think, not putting myself in that. I think a lot yet. of the heat is coming off of Star Wars. I mean, yeah, right now, because Last Jedi really split some people, and Solo did not sell anybody. So, like, getting that steam back, I mean, depends what the trailers do. If you see some classic good guys versus Palpatine, some crazy Knights of Ren stuff, like, yeah, people might be back in. So, But I don't know. Right now, it feels like Endgame has, I mean, the lead just by the nature of the movie. I have one last question. Yep. Press screenings did not get a post credit scene for in, for Endgame. Do we think there is one? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I kind of wish there wasn't, since this is the end of, like, the Infinity Saga. I think it would be much cooler if they just ended it with an end instead of teasing the next thing. Hmm. But I absolutely think they will tease the next thing, because that's what they let me Let me go so far as to just, because I've made the argument, as what Jamie's saying before, and I'm not fair, and I'm fairly sure I might have mentioned this on air, but I would be happy if the last scene is like somebody like Captain America taking control of the Infinity Gauntlet, resetting the universe. You see him go to his like little date with Peggy Carter, but then it just fades to white, and that's all we see. And we don't have any idea what the MCU looks like until our first clues will start to build in Spider-Man mm-hmm. Far From Home. I would be happy with that. At the same time, I also have a lot of theories about things they could tease and any number of things they could tease on a simple just mon- like a shot of Earth with a bunch of communications yeah. about things like that and Unless, all kinds of Easter egg drops about the Baxter building or something would happening. Would you be let yeah. down if it's another shawarma type scene? I wouldn't be let down. I just <laughs> I think after all the emotional stuff that this movie could bring, I might be like it might it might be good to laugh it off and have something stupid and just I'm a little over the comedic tags. Like, I've spent too much time in movie theaters after the credits waiting for whatever that scene is, and then it's a cat spitting something up. I'm a little over it. You know what's crazy for me is that I think Kofi, or, like, the idea of where you guys want, like, we don't really know what's next, white screen, or or just kind of fading out, and we don't understand. And just says the MCU MCU will return. Until Mm -hmm. Spider-Man, that would be the only way... I could get myself really excited about Spider-Man. I think, it's the thing that, I think it's actually the thing that worries me the most about Spider-Man being the next, like being the first post. How do you go movie. from that to Be, Just that. because it's not entirely a Marvel Studios production. It's not, yeah. like theoretically after this one, like after the Spider-Man movie, like we may not see a, you know, Spider-Man MCU-ish movie, you know, for a bit. And like how that all kind of plays together I mean, they kind of did the same thing around Age of Ultron, right? Nobody had no idea what was coming after Age of Ultron until they had that event where they announced, like, six movies. That's true. This is just how they do things. But just Spider-Man as a, so far as a movie. I mean, it just, just looks like a TV episode. It just doesn't, you know, do it for me. And that, well, I mean, but we've that gotta... would be the way to get me is to go, you're not going to really see the MCU until Spider-Man. Yeah. Until it Spider-Man are the first clues to what happened yes. to this, like, what's See, I almost series. don't want that. 
I want us to like recalibrate a little bit. We've built up 10 years to Avengers Endgame. Not every movie is going to be Avengers Endgame now. We're going to dial things back to like, we got to introduce new heroes and get us invested there. Like it's Mark. like the Game of Thrones thing. It can't be pedal to the metal all the time. And so I'd rather them kind of dial things back, give us closure about those original Avengers in Endgame so that we can kind of cleanly start the next thing. But you're, not, but you're not movies. cleanly starting the next thing with a sequel to a movie that happened before, you know, that happened in the midst of the Infinity Saga, right? Like, if it was a, to me, a clean slate would be something completely, something Clean slate not, would be Eternals. Yeah, but Homecoming, like, right? Like Homecoming something. had, like, nothing to do with the Infinity Saga. It was a standalone movie for all intents and purposes. Right. I expect Far From Home will be basically the same thing. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I'm not interested in that movie much right now, and I don't see myself getting excited for it unless there's some carrot that goes, you're going to see the first pieces of the universe of what it looks like now in there. I might go see it. I mean, people got excited about Ant-Man after, you know, whatever. Don't you hate it? If anything, I am not a fan of (laughs) Ant-Man, but people were excited for it even (laughs) after coming down. I mean, Ant-Man was a good palate cleanser for, like, Avengers. Right. Age of Ultron. And Spider-Man could be exactly the same thing. I mean, Endgame is so serious, so heavy. Spider-Man might be light and funny. It might be just a good palate cleanser. Could produce cardiac. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. Come on, man. (laughs) Way to just bring it down at the end. One thing I am excited for in conclusion in this is Fortnite is going to be getting another Avengers tie-in event. Last year, we had the awesome Infinity War Thanos. That's pretty fun. Yeah, that was pretty fun. So I'm looking forward to this one for Endgame. I don't know what it is because I haven't seen the film. But if anything, this movie will give us our first real reason to revisit the Fortnite universe. Stormbreaker (laughs) as a pickaxe. Is oh. awesome. That that could be great. You're gonna yeah. have to pay thirty bucks for it, but uh, they would also have to get me to reinstall it. Can't revisit. <laughs> can't revisit somewhere I've never been. Oh, uh, well. Yeah, I mean, this might be a good time. Give this me might an be Iron the Man only suit. reason to start and play Fortnite for a couple weeks. <laughs> Give so. me an Iron Man suit and Anthem, and I would be totally down for that. All right. Well, like I said, Give me the mark. Leave this me the has been it. our last show in this side of the universe, ever where we exist before we've all seen Avengers Endgame. Who we will be afterwards will be kind of different. I think I'll end just with everybody kind of sharing something about the MCU that kind of really affected you in personal life, not just the movies or your favorite moments. We have tons of those. Um, For me, I think, like I said, kind of alluded to earlier, the MCU always represents to me, it's kind of tied with my career. It was the thing Kevin Feige and the MCU gave me a path to a career, to, to write about kind of fan service, I mean, fan films every single day and have people invested in these movies every single day in their development. Um, that wasn't really a pathway that, that existed before all of this. And kind of coming up with that and being a part of that and having it literally redefine my professional life is a really big thing to, I owe Kevin Feige a lot, I guess, but uh, otherwise, you know, being a broke writer is no fun. So who wants to do that? But, um, yeah, so this is going to be a little bit emotional for me. I'm going to be kind of, like, really invested in this, you know, really personally. So that's me. Jamie, you want to – you got a moment? I mean, I feel kind of the same as Kofi does. I mean, these Avengers movies, the MCU movies, kind of broke down that wall between uh, geek culture and mainstream popular culture. Now it's just all one big, more or less happy family. (laughs) And that, you know, having that wider audience has allowed us to share our interests with a lot more people. Um, 
and yeah, that's led to us being here doing what we do. So yeah, thank you, Kevin Feige. Uh, Feige? Feige? I always say his name wrong. Is it Feige? I think it's Feige, right? Feige, yeah. Ah, potato, potato. Mine, um, because I mean, I agree in a lot of ways with both of you, um, but mine would be, you know, it's sometimes when you uh, have a significant other that is not as entrenched in these, in, in superheroes or comics or whatever, sometimes it can be, you look for opportunities to be able to kind of bring both worlds together and find something that will, you know, kind of bleed over into that other side and they can not necessarily, you know, they don't see it as you do, but they, they appreciate it. They, they can see that, okay, I get why you like these characters. I get why you like these stories. And for me, Guardians was that. It was, it yeah. was actually Guardians and it was Groot. It was that it whole was, year. Yeah. I, I same same thing. My wife saw that was like the one year she saw both Marvel movies. She saw and loved them. She loved she was Winter a mess. Soldier. She was she loved Guardians. She was crying yeah. so hard, and she looked at me. She punched me in the arm <laughs> because she went, "You're a jerk because you brought me this and you didn't brace me. How does why does he die?" But then, as soon as like the baby group thing at the end, I, I've never seen her smile. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like she was beaming at her, and we, we got out of that. She couldn't stop talking about it. And it it's one of those things, like, ever since, I don't have to tr- necessarily try. Like, she's like, oh, I want to go see that. And it's brought that, you know, she's able to appreciate some of these characters and things like that. Kind of brought that world to both of us and to our home. Think so, of how right different away. it is now from the first Avengers movie. The first Avengers movie, you got Thanos in the post credit scene, and you could tell who were the comic book nerds and who weren't, because the comic book nerds were like, <laughs> it's Thanos, and everybody was li- else was like, who is this purple dude? Who's Grimace? And now Thanos <laughs> is like a sex symbol in popular culture. Oh, that is God. how far we yeah. come. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So we'll leave it right there. God, way to bring Sexy Thanos. Circle, Will he still be here in the MCU after this? And we will shall he still soon be sexy? find out. And will he still be sexy? We'll find out soon. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. Thank you guys for riding with us for 25 episodes. We really appreciate it. You keep us from getting canceled, and we really do appreciate this. We even get smiles around here sometimes. If you want to join the journey, you can find new episodes on comicbook.com every Wednesday and Friday. You can subscribe to an RSS feed that we post in the articles, or you can subscribe on your favorite listening place, either iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. Still no Amazon Music. Maybe that'll be something after the end game. Sorry, Matt. If you want to continue the discussion, you can always find us on Twitter at the hashtag ComicBookNation, or you can come and uh, talk with us individually. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. Oh, you can find me at Matt Aguilar CB, which it'll be changed by the time this episode airs. Oh, <laughs> so I got to start go. introducing you. This is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at Jamie Lovett. And uh, Jim Viscardi, you want to get in there? Always Jim Viscardi. All right, that'll do it. Guys, have a great time. Go out, see Endgame, watch Game of Thrones, keep your head down from spoilers beforehand. You're not going to want to miss the next episode. We are no, you're not going to want to miss the next Avengers episode spoilers. of the show. We're going to be doing a special Avengers Endgame episode one. where we just talk spoilers, so we'll be here for you over the weekend. That'll do it. All right, Comic Book Nation, we're out. Deuces. Deuces.